1,600 passengers and up to 10,000 people with crew. Uh, it's just, it's enormous. It has 40 restaurants. It has a Central Park area with 33,000 live plants on a cruise ship. It has six water slides and seven pools. And I mean, it has townhouses, three-story townhouses. So if a big family wants to go or like an extended family with different generations in the family, they can all stay in one big townhouse. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a very nice luxury cruise. And it, it was, you know, it was... Uh, it was the, exactly the type of event that you would think Inter Miami would be involved in with Lionel Messi, with the icon of soccer meeting the icon of the seas. Uh, you know, they, these two companies had partnered last summer, and uh, it makes sense. I can tell you that at the very beginning, way before they even started playing uh, this club, when they were looking for a name sponsor for the jersey, I remember that I had a conversation with Jorge Mas, and he said that his first choice really was something in the tourism industry in Miami, whether it be an airline or a cruise ship. That was something that he thought was very Miami. And, you know, <clears throat> so many people in Miami, I believe the tourism industry is the number one industry. Uh, as far as employment in South Florida. So he wanted, his initial idea was to get a name sponsor of a local company that is in the tourism uh, industry. So this is kind of a perfect match. And then that event yesterday, the entire team was there. All the players were there sitting in the front row for this. Uh, there were two ceremonies. The first one was to reveal the La Noche, new La Noche jersey, which has a giant pink uh, crown and anchor of Royal Caribbean. Their their um, uh, their uh, logo is right big front and center on the front of the shirt. <clears throat> so the first ceremony was to reveal that shirt and it was quite a reveal. It was very dramatic. There were laser beams. There was a, there was a, a video. There was music. There were even live musicians and dancers who came onto the stage. Uh, Jorge Mas spoke. The president and CEO of Royal Caribbean spoke. And then they revealed the jersey. All the players stood up, took off their jackets, and voila, there was the new shirt. So everybody click, 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 got their pictures of the new shirt. Um, then from there, we were herded over to the other side of the ship, which is quite a long walk to the other side. And over there, they have a huge amphitheater. Um, and in there is where the actual christening of the ship, the naming of the ship was gonna happen. And Leo Messi was the guy, was the special guest who was going to break the champagne bottle in this one hour ceremony. Now, I thought, at the end of the ceremony, they said, and now Leo Messi is going to break the champagne bottle. <clears throat> and they brought out a soccer ball. And I assumed that maybe he's, I thought it would have been great if he kicks the ball, you know, takes a really hard kick and just smashes a champagne bottle into smithereens. But that is not what happened. Sadly, we didn't get to watch that drama. Instead, he put the soccer ball on an electronic device, which then connected to another device which broke the bottle kind of remotely. So there was no broken glass anywhere. Nobody, there was no danger of any player getting injured or Messi getting injured. So anyway, it was quite the extravaganza for basically 
a jersey reveal and a ship christening. How do they not trust the uh, Messi's accuracy? Hours. Huh? How do they not trust Messi's accuracy to, to nail the bottle in one shot? Come on, it's Lionel Messi. I don't know. Maybe maybe the way they're playing so far in the first two, maybe they were going to do that and they changed their mind after watching <laughs> the, the first two games. But uh, no, I mean, it was it was a fun afternoon on, a, on an immense cruise ship that it is, just has every bell and whistle that a cruise ship can have that one has and so we got to spend three hours on the boat from 3 30 to 6 30 and then we had to disembark by seven because the, the ship was actually going out it was sailing on a little uh sort of a promotional run with some people in the tourism industry and stuff like that they get to take like a little two-night cruise to sort of experience it so that they can then sell it to their customers and then the actual ship will uh, have its maiden voyage on the 27th on saturday i guess yeah yeah so basically the tryout test run for the ship basically but uh no i mean townhouses when i heard townhouse i never thought i'd hear townhouses and cruise ship in the same you know in the same sentence pretty much but that that, that just shows you the, the the scope of this thing but uh i mean this is all great with lasers the jerseys look badass they look like a they finally look like a a world global you know look to them you know what i mean but where are the goals, Michelle? What, what's happened these first two games? What can change here? I mean, I know they're, they're exhibitions. This is the time to work out the kinks. But, uh, you know, what's going on with this team that apparently can't find the back of the net so far? Yeah, I actually, that was my first question to Tata Martino this morning. Uh, they had a training session today before taking a late night flight uh, Wednesday night. Uh, flying 16 hours, I believe, uh, on a charter to Saudi Arabia, to Riyadh. So uh, they had one final very light training session on Wednesday morning, the morning after the big uh, ship extravaganza. And I asked Tata that very question. I said, you know, all of this stuff is, you know, all of these, this tour and the cruise ship and all of this is getting a lot of worldwide attention. But the team, I know it's preseason. I know that these games don't count. I know that it doesn't matter for the standings, but that your team has gone two games and has not scored a goal despite having all these people on the team. So, you know, are you worried? Does this concern you? Um, and he said, no, he said, he's not concerned. He said that uh, these are preseason games. He stressed that it, the, the result doesn't matter. He doesn't care that much that they didn't win. He did want them to score. He said, don't get me wrong. You know, if there's one thing that I was disappointed in, it was that we did not score. So, yes, he was disappointed. But he said not concerned or worried because he knows the players he has. They're just getting to know each other. They're coming off a long layoff. Um, he feels that there's enough training time between now and the start of the season. And he pointed out that they are, yes, they're flying to Saudi Arabia, but they're going to have four days of training there to get uh, to get used to the you know the jet lag, the new time uh, zone, and uh, to have real training time over there, which is what he wants. He wants many hours of training together. He said that they're going to have about four days of training there, and then the game, and then another day or two day, and then another game. And he said the games really are part of training camp also because you're going to implement things in the practice and then you're going to try them out in the games and see if they work. So, you know, he said that overall what he was encouraged by 
was the improvement. He felt there was improvement from the first game to the second. He was not too pleased with the first game against El Salvador. The second game, he saw improvement in possession. They possessed the ball, I think it was 69% of the time. He said he liked, you know, there was a lot more passing, a lot more possession. Uh, they got into scoring position more, although he wished that they would have finished. Uh, but he said, you know, that, that the new guys especially are still getting used to the whole system and everybody overall is still working out the kinks. Uh, but he said, was he disappointed? Yes, that they haven't scored any goals. Was he worried, concerned? No. But like I said, early on still, you know, but uh, Luis Suarez, Julian Gressel, two, obviously two of the biggest uh, additions to this squad, you know, how they looked so far and, and I guess first impressions of them, you know, working out with the team as, as they try to kind of get acclimated. Well, my first impressions are that both neither one of them is really fully integrated yet. Um, I think we saw, and uh, DeAndre Yedlin said today, he also spoke to the media. He said, uh, when he was asked about Suarez, he said, I think it's very clear to anyone who's watching him since he got here that he and Messi have definitely played together. He said, you know, that you could see them looking for each other. They knew where each other were. They didn't connect on every pass that they tried to do. They did connect on a lot of passes, although then they didn't finish off the the final, you know, the final shot uh, to get it in the back of the net. But it is it's it's very obvious that that those two players know each other well. And Busquets and Alba, those four have played together before. They know each other. They know each other's tendencies. They know each other's. Uh, they know the speed with which they can get to the ball. They know what pace to put on the ball for each other. So that kind of familiarity is, is only going to get better if they all stay healthy. The four of them are only going to become more familiar with each other. So I think Luis Suarez is definitely comfortable with, with uh, Messi, but he looked a little, he looked a little out of place. He wasn't quite comfortable with, with the whole team yet. He looked a little bit slow to be honest, uh, you know, he's had knee issues. I'm not saying that he's going to be a guy who's going to be sprinting up and down the field, but he looked maybe like a guy who hasn't trained for a bit, uh, who needs to get into a little bit better shape. Um, and then Gressel. Gressel is definitely fit and everything. He still is also trying to figure out where he fits in. And he played two different positions. Um, you know, the first game he played more, uh, you know, the first game he played kind of five and back, then he moved up a little bit and, and Yedlin played in the wing outside in the back. So, you know, there's been a little bit of movement to try to figure out where they both fit in, Yedlin and Gressel. Um, I asked DeAndre Yedlin today, in fact, how does he see himself working with Gressel? Because in a way, they, they play in a similar area of the field. And uh, when Gressel was first signed, there were people saying, well, what does that mean for Yedlin? You know, he's a right back. What does that mean for him? Uh, Gressel is kind of a wing back on the right side, you know. So how are they going to work together? And what DeAndre said is, look, I welcome competition. He said, you know, there are going to be a lot of games this year. We're going to potentially play so many games with all the cups in the season that everybody's not going to be able to play every game. And Tata has made that pretty clear, I think, too that they are not, you know, the starters, the 11 starters that they have are not going to be starting every single game 
this season. They are going to rotate. They are going to need a very strong second team because they're not going to be able to play all these guys. And the big, the big chess match, the big puzzle that that Tata is going to have to figure out this season is who to play when, who to play in which games, and who to play with who, and how many minutes. All of that is going to be critical. So DeAndre said, "Look." I understand that I'm not going to be able to play every single minute at the position that I play, and I welcome the competition. He said the only way that teams get better is by having competition at every position. So he definitely views Gressel from those comments as someone who is competing, you know, for a similar position, same part of the field as he plays. He's also a veteran guy. He's an MLS guy, 29 years old, uh, you know, similar age group, similar MLS experience. So, uh, you know, but they, those two do get along though. I will tell you that Gressel, one of the first things he said unsolicited in his opening press conference was that DeAndre Yedlin has been a huge help for him since he arrived at the club. He said that he's taken him under his wing. He sits next to him in the locker room. Their lockers are side by side. And he said that DeAndre has been very, very helpful to him to get him integrated into the team. So I think those two guys are going to be working, you know, in similar areas of the field, maybe one more forward, one further back defending, um, but they seem to be uh, able to work together well. But I would say overall, Suarez and Gressel both are still, uh, you know, trying to get acclimated to the team. I don't think neither one of them has looked, neither one of them has looked completely comfortable in my opinion. Yeah, it, it comes back to the whole, you know, this is what, this is what this time is for, to work this stuff out. But this is going to be similar I, it's it's all similar to like a hockey team when you're trying to figure out which lines work together, like the, the front line, what's the best combo, the back row, best combo, because you're right there with all the potential absences for this reason, that reason, you know, injuries will come up at some point, things like that. This team needs to be able to quickly adjust on the fly, keep putting the right combos out there. But that's where you like having a guy like Tata with his experience to know these guys well and to know them from their past, you know, their tendencies, all that sort of thing. Um, but one of the areas I know people are curious about is that back row and a big pickup this week uh, on, on free agency to bring, to bring in, you know, some help at center back. Nico Freire is in there and he spoke today uh, to the press. Uh, Michelle, what did Nico have to say and, you know, how quickly can he make an impact? Uh, yeah, I was impressed with him today, just from a, just from the standpoint of how he speaks, he's, he's very confident. He seems like a really intelligent guy, friendly, uh, was able to answer every question fully, had a lot to say, really. Uh, he's a guy who's been playing in Mexico. He's from Argentina. So he's now the sixth Argentine player on this roster. He feels very comfortable with all his compatriots, you know, he, 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 he's Argentine. So he's got the same background as Tata and almost the whole coaching staff of Tata is from Argentina. And then, uh, you know, the Argentine players starting with Messi, of course. So he said that he, he feels good and at home as far as being back, you know, involved with Argentine players and coaches. He's, he had been playing in Mexico for most of his career. He's played in Argentina and in Mexico. And then he was on loan. He was with Pumas in Mexico. And then this year, this season, he had been on loan for a few months in Greece. Uh, but he said the reason he came is that they, the team really showed him a lot of love. And he said, let's face it, every player wants to be loved. Every player wants to feel that the club 
that they they're working for really, really wants them and, and values them. And he said that he felt from the very first conversations with Inter Miami that he is going to have an opportunity here to really make a difference. Uh, and he said, as far as his playing style, he's a center back, uh, which is going to be to replace Kamal Miller. You know, Kamal Miller was an experienced guy, a very good team leader. And he's, you know, Canadian national team. He's gone to Portland, was traded. So this guy, uh, Freda, is going to be replacing him. He likes to play on the left. He said he'll play anywhere where they put him, but he sees he typically plays as a left-footed, left-sided stopper, uh, not so much an outside back, but a center back on the left-hand side because he's a left-footed player. So, um, you know, he said that's mainly where he sees himself. And, uh, you know, he's really looking forward to getting going. He said that this trip to Saudi Arabia and to Japan and Tokyo is going to be a chance for the whole team to get to know him, for them to become acquainted with him as a player and as a person. So he said that for him personally, uh, having this trip, he thinks is going to be helpful to get acclimated to the team. Well, looking ahead a little bit here, you know, a few guys that are out and still moves that could be made. I mean, we know Facundo Farias is out for the season. Um, supposedly could bring in another young replacement, maybe if possible. And I know they're still trying to get another couple of guys in. John Malta, you know, still working on that green card to get over here uh, from Brazil. But uh, Franco Negri is out. Coco Jean probably about a month away from, from getting back to practice. So still a lot of moving parts and a lot of not just acclimation, but trying to find the right replacements, you know, maybe for some of these guys that they know are not going to be around for that opener in February. Yeah. Tata said today that because of the, because of Faku being out for the year, which is just so unfortunate, he, this is a young player with so much talent um, and he's, and he's out for the season from the very first game, which is just so tough to see. Uh, Tata did point out that this had this injury had nothing to do with the fact that they were traveling or, you know, that this is a crazy schedule. It was just a very unfortunate accident situation that happened. He didn't want it to be blamed on the fact that they were traveling to El Salvador, or that they were not ready. He said it was just, you know, an, a very unfortunate situation. He did say that if possible, his main concern is not the team right now have being thin at, at attacking players. But what he's a little worried about is during the summer, at Copa, during Copa America, for example, if they were to lose Messi and, and uh, if they were to lose Messi to Argentina, Suarez to Uruguay and Campana to Ecuador for Copa America, those are their three main attacking players. And it is possible that all three of those players would be playing in Copa America. And so what he was saying is that it would be good to have somebody else. And what he said is that because it was Faku, maybe they could get another under 23 player, a young signing, a young DP level player who could play at that position and be there, not necessarily to replace the guys that they have now, but for when they don't have those players, when they need, again, they're going to have to have a second shift here with this team. And with Copa America, it makes it even more complicated because those three in particular, Messi with Argentina and Suarez wanting to play for, for uh, Uruguay, Uruguay, and then, um, and then uh, Campana wanted to play for Ecuador. So you've got three really big time scorers on this team who may not be available from, you know, the tournament is July 20th to, 
June 20th to July 14th. And there's going to be some period of training before that. So you're talking about a month plus that some of these guys may not be available. So he was saying that they may try to look for somebody. It would have to be someone who fits in if possible. He said, if it's not possible, they won't, but if it's possible, they may try to do that. And then the other thing, as far as the roster goes, which he hinted at and has hinted at already is that they have too many players right now for the roster uh, to be roster compliant by the, by the time the season starts February 21st, they're going to have to unload a few players because they have brought in new players and they have not really gotten rid other than Kamal Miller. They haven't gotten rid of too many players that are on their roster. So uh, they're going to have to probably get rid of a few players who are on the team. Now uh, some guys who are on the bubble and um, you know, Nico Stefanelli is a guy who was a little bit on the bubble and Christopher McVeigh a little bit on the bubble. Maybe, uh, you know, some of these guys that have not gotten much playing time, uh, if there is interest from other teams around the league, they, they would be able to get some money for those players and open up spots to make sure that they can be roster compliant by February 21st. So key is getting this thing to shape you want as much as possible. But it's interesting. Yeah, because I was going to say that with all these signings we keep hearing about at one point or another. Yeah. What was I was going to ask? What was the kind of like the cap situation as far as number of roster players? But there you have it there. That's where they have to kind of get to. And the next few games are going to be crucial to figuring out exactly, you know, who sticks and who doesn't until February 21st. And they're not wasting any time. I mean, they went just like you did. They got off the ship, but then they being inter Miami flying out already as of Wednesday night at 11 PM to Saudi Arabia for the most exciting leg of this, uh, this whole world tour, this world preseason tour. As in that, you have the last dance, the Ronaldo-Messi match that everybody's waiting for. This leg of the tournament is what is really – I'm excited to see. I mean, Michelle, tell fans around, I mean, unless you're in Saudi Arabia, is there any new news on who's going to carry this? Is it finally going to be Apple? What's going on with that? Yeah, absolutely. The main thing you need to know is, yes, all of the remaining preseason games are going to be on Apple. So everyone around the world can turn on their Apple devices at whatever time zone you're in. And it's going to be across the world. The, the number of time zones that this game, these games are going to be shown. Uh, the game on Monday uh, is at one o'clock Eastern time. So whatever time that is for all of you who are watching from around the world, this podcast and listening, by the way, thank you. Whatever time zone you're in, whatever country you're in, we really appreciate you tuning in and listening every week as this season gets going. Uh, you will, no matter where you are in the world, if you have an Apple device or an Apple anything, you will be able to sign on through the Apple MLS season pass uh, and you will be able to see these games in Riyadh, uh, two games, the first game Monday, the 29th, and then the second game February 1st, the first one against Al-Hilal, which uh, would have been Neymar, but Neymar's injured. Imagine if it was the Neymar game and then the Cristiano Ronaldo game. Uh, and then uh, the the Al-Hilal is actually, it's a very good team. Both of these teams are good in the Saudi League. These are sort of the two better teams in the Saudi Arabian League. Um, this team, Al-Hilal, has, has import players uh, from Brazil, a few imports from Brazil, some players from parts of Africa, some players from uh, Europe. So, you know, it's a team that has some talent, although a couple of the African-based players are currently playing in the African Cup. Uh, Nations Cup. So I'm not sure which ones will be available for this game and which ones will not. But 
Tata, Tata said that both of these are strong teams. They've already been doing some scouting on them. Um, so the, the games are at one o'clock uh, Eastern time available on Apple. Now, as far as the last dance, Cristiano Ronaldo is currently injured. He has a calf injury, which is what none of these promoters wanted to hear because whatever millions, gazillions of dollars that they, these promoters in Saudi Arabia have paid for these matches, this Cristiano Ronaldo against Messi from day one when they first started whispering about this, they already had posters out. The promotions were Messi versus Ronaldo, the last dance, last chance maybe to see these two play against each other and Ronaldo is injured and he has a calf injury. He's supposed to miss two weeks. Apparently from what I read, there was a game they were going to play somewhere in Asia that they canceled uh, because Ronaldo was kind of contractually part of the deal of that game. And he is unable to play currently or was you know, in the last week. So this game we're talking about February 1st, is just eight days away. So it remains to be seen if he will be healthy enough to play in that game. If he doesn't, it's going to really take a lot of luster off that game. I mean, it's still going to be in Saudi Arabia and it'll be against another strong Saudi team. But the big idea was Messi against Ronaldo and it may be Messi against other people. And that is Buzz Killington for everyone that was hoping to see this match. To see them both, you know, go at it one more time. What a shame because, yeah, like you said, the promoters, everybody had so much money invested in this game. And if he doesn't play, that really takes away, you know, one of the the, the, the sexiness of this matchup really takes a dive at that point. So hopefully, maybe, you know, we know it's an exhibition, but maybe he finds a way. Maybe uh, therapy is good for him in the next week or so and, and, and he's able to get out there. But like you said, if he doesn't, I mean, God, you, you, if Na imagine if Neymar would have been able to go. You're right. That would have been critical mass right there. You can't get any more, any more of a bigger headliner to have those two back-to-back. -back. Now you may not get either one against Messi. And then, of course, Messi still has to play a little bit between now and then. So cross your fingers, knock on wood, whatever you like to do, that he stays healthy enough to play in that one as well. Yeah, one of the things uh, Tata talked about that, you know, there obviously are a lot of people concerned about how how much travel this is and is it too much and is this crazy uh he said look this is the situation we're in we're already now into game three of our seven game very unusual preseason he said this of course is very unusual this is not normal but he said that they have really been trying they are going to be very careful about about how much you know how much every player plays and how how much they train and and DeAndre Edlin said that he's really focusing on his diet and sleep, uh, that he's going to try to sleep more than usual. And he made a joke that he has two young children. He has like a three-year-old daughter and a newborn son. And he was saying that as much as he misses his kids, which is the downside of being gone so far, he said the positive side is he probably will get more sleep than he would if he were home training. So he said that's the only plus for him from a sleep standpoint and that he's not going to be with his babies. Uh, he's going to be able to get maybe more rest than he would if he were home. So they are, they are talking a lot about their diet, about their sleep patterns when they're over there, uh, getting acclimated to the different time zones. But Tata said that he really 
feels that it could still be a very, really, uh, a very um, valuable training camp because they're going to be playing different kinds of teams. They're going to be getting used to travel and going over different time zones, which you have to do in MLS also, which is something like Luis Suarez, for example, has not had to do in the leagues he was playing in. And, uh, and then he said the other thing is, you know, team bonding. That uh, and some of the players have talked about that too. That they are going to be together. For example, a 16-hour flight. They're going to be together for 16 hours on a flight. Um, so they're going to really get to know each other very well on this trip. Uh, th they don't come back until February 8th or 9th. So they're going to be two weeks together on the road, uh, taking flights and training together in in very nice training facilities. I'm sure in Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong, and Tokyo, they're going to be in some very nice high-level training facilities and playing some interesting games. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see at the end of the day whether this was a good idea or not a good idea. They're certainly going to make a lot of money. They're certainly going to sell a lot of shirts, whether it's the pink one or the new black one that they're trying to to get people to buy now with the big extravaganza on the cruise ship. Um, you know, this definitely, as we have said before, this team is juggling the business side and the sporting side. And that is really the story of this season is how can they do that? How do they do that? How much is too much business? How, on the other hand, they don't want to, you know, waste a great business opportunity to spread the brand of MLS and spread the brand of their team and Leo Messi all across the globe from Asia, Middle East, Europe. So, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting experiment. It's really an experiment. Um, the fact that they haven't scored in two games, to me, that would be, that is a concern to me, because even though Messi and, and the top four, big four, fab four, whatever you want to call them, uh, the Mount Rushmore, they only played first half against El Salvador, 45 minutes, and then they played 65 minutes against FC Dallas. But even so, that's about a hundred minutes, a uh, hundred plus minutes that they played together um, and, and didn't score a single goal. So that they, they need to work that out, you know, because Pistolero wants to be doing this a lot. And so yeah. far there is none. There are zero. No, there, are no zero goals. there are no bullets in two games straight. And yes, they're exhibition games. No, they don't matter. But you would like to think that against El Salvador for 45 minutes and against FC Dallas for 65 minutes, that their first team, uh, that those four players and the other first teamers that they put around them would be able to manufacture one goal, which they were not. So I do think that there is definitely a lot of work for them to do between now and February 21st. They have a month basically to get ready for the opener Wednesday, February 21st against Real Salt Lake. And uh, they have a lot of work to do and a lot of travel to do. And that said, I mean, you're right, but it is, it is still a little early. And look, if they come out and in Saudi Arabia suddenly light it up or, you know, start to click a little more, then a week from now we'll be like, oh, what scoring drop for two matches? So it's still early, but yeah, they, this is the time. This is the time right now to get this done. And the good thing is Ronaldo or no Ronaldo, like you mentioned before, this is going to be against quality competition over there. And, and even on the back end of the Saudi Arabia leg, when they come back and they play Newell's old boys, still, you know, a lot of good players that they're going to be facing that'll get them ready. It's just the whole experience is very fascinating because you go on this world tour. It's almost like it's not a vacation. It's a business trip. 
but there are elements of vacationing and the sites and all that. So they're going to be on this big high and then come back. And then it's like no time to waste. Then you really have to be in the business because now it's for real. Now you're playing in league play. So that whole dynamic is what's, what's going to be very interesting to see how they handle, you know, not peaking too much, kind of staying even keel throughout all this craziness. And then as you settle into a long season, because the MLS, that it, it's a very long season, about eight months, give or take. So. Absolutely. And, you know, last year they, they went to Charleston, South Carolina, you know, they, they went to Charleston for a preseason tournament, you know, and, and this year they're going to Saudi Arabia. Well, already El Salvador, then Saudi Arabia and then Hong Kong and then Japan. So, uh, yeah, it, this has never been seen before in MLS. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm glad that we can watch it on Apple. We'll be able to watch all these matches and uh, I'm gonna get a chance through Zoom to talk to the players. Uh, You know, hopefully they're trying to set things up so that we can do some interviews remotely with the players and see how they're doing over there and, and be able to ask them some of the questions that all of you who are listening and watching will have. So please uh, keep staying tuned because there's a lot coming up in the next few weeks from all over the world. No doubt about it. And uh, like Michelle said, we appreciate you listening. Remember, you can do that on all your favorite podcatchers, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. And then, of course, watching the show on YouTube and at MiamiHerald.com. And we'll be back to talk about the Saudi Arabia leg and everything else. Um, you know, as we go forward in this world tour next week, we'll be back with another episode of Inside Inter Miami for Michelle Kaufman. I'm Andre Fernandez. Thanks once again for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm glad that we can watch it on Apple. We'll be able to watch all these matches and uh, I'm going to get a chance through Zoom to talk to the players. Uh, you know, hopefully they're trying to set things up so that we can do some interviews remotely with the players and see how they're doing over there and, and be able to ask them some of the questions that all of you who are listening and watching will have. So please uh, keep staying tuned because there's a lot coming up in the next few weeks from all over the world. No doubt about it. And uh, like Michelle said, we appreciate you listening. Remember, you can do that on all your favorite podcatchers, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. And then, of course, watching the show on YouTube and at MiamiHerald.com. And we'll be back to talk about the Saudi Arabia leg and everything else. Um, you know, as we go forward in this world tour next week, we'll be back with another episode of Inside Inter Miami from Michelle Kaufman. I'm Andre Fernandez. Thanks once again for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.